and I was able to finally get on top of my company. We grew it to five locations, developed the best dream team imaginable. I was working less than 10 hours a week in my business. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And this week, we are talking entrepreneurship. So my guest this week is Will Humphreys. He is a former physical therapy practice owner who built his practice, as you heard in that intro, up to several locations, was working very few hours a week on his business, and then sold it. And now he runs the Healthcare Business Academy, and we'll link to his website in the show notes. He also started a billing company called In the Black Billing, and uh, does some work with exits and roll-ups and uh, mergers and acquisitions and all that kind of fun stuff. So we talk specifically about his entrepreneurial journey. We talk a little bit about the role of entrepreneurship and the role that independent business plays in the greater healthcare landscape. He and I very much think the same way that a lot of the reform that we want to see in healthcare, a lot of the change that we want to see in healthcare is going to come from small, innovative, nimble companies. It's not going to come from the top down. It's not going to come from regulatory agencies or regulatory bodies or payers or big hospital systems or healthcare systems. A lot of those organizations are very much incentivized to maintain the status quo because it means they don't have to do a lot of changing and they don't have to go through any of those growing pains. Small organizations, it is one of those situations where you innovate or you die, right? Um, If you can find a way to do it better, more efficient, uh, cheaper, deliver higher quality services, whatever, whatever the case may be, It comes from creative and risk-taking entrepreneurs and individuals and small organizations that, at least my mind, is that um, it's going to be those folks that end up bringing to the market some new innovation that's going to radically change healthcare. And I see it all the time in the work that I do at Rehab You Practice Solutions. We do um, uh, positioning work, positioning strategy work for a lot of healthcare technology startups, primarily in the the physiotherapy space, you know, remote therapeutic monitoring, virtual uh, service delivery, telehealth, asynchronous telehealth, all that kind of stuff. And the stuff that is coming out, the tools and technology that are being developed by entrepreneurs, by creative individuals who see a problem in the market, see some kind of deficiency in the way we're delivering services or some kind of tool or product that can improve clinical outcomes and patient satisfaction and engagement, those types of tools are being developed all the time. And it's super exciting to see them come to the market. And hopefully it's one of those things that innovation begets innovation, right? And we build on the 
the growth from some of these tools that have been successful. So anyways, um, that's just my little, my little thoughts about it so far with uh, just the idea of technology and really entrepreneurship, the risk-taking and creative individuals that have put it out on the line to help make healthcare more human, more sustainable, more efficient and effective. I'm just excited every day to be part of it. So without further ado, here is Will Humphreys talking about his entrepreneurial journey and how entrepreneurs can change the face of healthcare. Well, hey, Will, welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I'm doing so great, Rafi. Thank you so much for the chance to be on your show. This is such a great show. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to have you on and talk about, you know, roll-ups and exiting and kind of using entrepreneurship as a vehicle to change healthcare. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about you, about your background and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm a physical therapist and a relentless, uh, addicted entrepreneur. I've, I've, you know, those two things are, are sometimes hard when they go together because physical therapy as a business, isn't a great business, but I've always been entrepreneurial and I loved the idea of owning a practice. And so I became a PT. I got exposed to the field through a mountain climbing accident when I was in high school, broke both arms and legs and had this amazing therapist. And then I knew early on, I wanted to own a practice. I knew I was going to, um, cause I wanted to control the impact of what I was doing and create greater income and freedom for me in the process. And, um, so I became a PT and then realized that falling off the mountain was way easier than starting a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I started a physical therapy practice, almost walked away from it a couple of years later. Uh, it's same kind of story, just like all the things we don't know about leading or owning a company can overwhelm us and almost walked away before my wife just asked me to hire a coach. And that was a defining moment in my life because when I found the right coach and it was honestly the first coach, any coach, every coach I've ever had helped. I've never actually regretted hiring a coach. This, this is a true statement. I've, I've been doing this for over 15 years now. I've never not had a coach and every single person I've hired, I've worked with over 20 individuals or companies now, they have been powerful in some way, shape or form. So just committing my time and money to like a leader's mindset and developing myself, put me in a position where I was able to finally get on top of my company, we grew it to five locations developed the best dream team imaginable. I was working less than 10 hours a week in my business. And of course, that's when you decide to screw things up as an entrepreneur. I exited so that I could create help and support for other entrepreneurs in healthcare across the board. Started something called the Healthcare Business Academy, which is uh, basically a brand that endorses companies that are going to make the lives of entrepreneurs easier. So I've been doing that now for uh, four years. I exited in 2018. And yeah, I just love, I love, uh, like I was telling you before this call, I, I love meeting people like you who are so passionate about empowering entrepreneurs um, and leaders in healthcare, because ultimately that's what we're missing out on. We've got lots of powerful leaders and entrepreneurs, but we don't have a strong community. Frankly, we've got a lot of great power, powerful leaders who just don't know that they are powerful. They're too yeah. busy, swamped in their practices. So yeah, I, I that's a little bit on me and what you and I were talking about. Yeah. So let's dive into that a little bit. So obviously there's a big problem specifically you and I are both, you know, we're from the rehab space, PT and OT. What is it about running a practice that just kind of swamps people? 
I mean, yeah. I, we know the answer to this, right? <laughs> I, I know it's funny about this. I'm sure people listening are know too. And I think you have your, your, I'll probably just rehash what you already you have said before I'm guessing and no, but the biggest thing that, that keeps us inundated is what we don't know. You know, we don't get the support and training in healthcare to take on entrepreneurship or leadership. There's just a major yeah. lack of support in rehab in particular. Chiropractors are the exception to that rule. Chiropractors have an incredible amount of support. I'd say dentists have an incredible amount of support. And then your really high paying private practices like your orthopedic surgery groups and those groups, they don't necessarily get the support we're missing. They're just making so much money in terms of their margins that they can afford to hire, you know, coaching. And it, it's, it's a little bit more of a, it's an easier jump for them. Yeah. So, so why it's hard for PT owners, OT owners, or just any private practice owners, in my opinion, begins with lack of knowledge of what they don't know. Like there's no formal training. And the second thing is the overwhelm. This thing about, for I look at insurance companies as the primary thing. You know, our country, I can't pick up a glass of water without offending somebody now. Yeah, in our <laughs> yeah so, it's true. So for me to be able to say something really negative and to get universal support shows you how crazy it is. So I, I've, I've said this to my far, far left friends and my far, far right friends. Um, and I, I just tell them like, yeah, insurance companies are evil. And everyone goes, yep. Yeah. But there's no fighting it. Like people just, and it's not that the people are evil. It's not that this, the companies themselves necessarily are dark. It's the system itself is so broken that a comment that, that's, that, that has that much weight to it, no one even refutes. And so when we talk about entrepreneurship, we're talking about what we don't know. And then we, we are overwhelmed with declining reimbursements and having uh, no processes or policies to help us overcome that. So when we have to fight as far as hard as we do for our money, uh, it, it just, it, it throws the whole system into a tailspin. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that what you mentioned, like, yeah, we might have different different reasons why we think that it's the insurance company's problem or or whatever we might have different solutions for but everybody is kind of a, of the same mindset that what we're doing now isn't working and we think it's a lot of it is that insurance piece right like you've got this from like an economic standpoint like you've got moral hazard because you've got this third party that's paying and they're not the end user and all the incentives that get shifted but yeah so people that run a healthcare practice uh you know physical and occupational therapists in particular uh, maybe speech therapists um they're kind of in this and they're, they feel like they're just running through the mill, right? Like it's a, it's a high volume game. They're trying to get everything right because of the margins. They keep getting lower and lower and lower. And um, as we were talking beforehand, I'm a firm believer again in entrepreneurship. I think that it's going to be creative and innovative entrepreneurs that change the face of healthcare. It's not going to be some academic somewhere, right? Or a <laughs> maybe even a politician. They, they fall, they fall in line after the culture shifts, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love what you said about that because it's true. I think um, we need the educators and it's only going to be the entrepreneurs like you and I were talking about as well. That like it's only the entrepreneurs who are going to solve it because it's the men and women who are putting their neck on the line. It's that whole Cortez principle. You know, when you yeah. start a business, the Cortez idea being Cortez came to the Americas, he sent his ships off and got burned so that they had to survive. They had to make it work. When you start a business, that's exactly what we do. We we put our necks on the line, our time, our families. And so we find ourselves in a position of, of great necessity to make things work and work better. And because the systems are what they are, we spend our entire lives fighting for balance 
instead of fighting for why we became a healthcare provider or why we started a practice, we just find ourselves fighting for some sort of like balance in life instead of the greater cause. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's only those men and women though, if they had the time and money and they had the communication and the network and the right organization, which to this day doesn't exist in my opinion, you know, we're going to find ourselves in this, this uh, downward spiral. Yeah. I think it's funny connecting with people like you and other people in the space. It's like how many people are out there that are, they're of the same mind. Maybe they have the resources and the time already committed to doing it. They just don't know that they exist or that there are other people out there that exist to help in the fight, in the greater fight, right? Like it's, we're kind of putting our heads down. You're almost like a silo. You're doing what you got to do, but there's no like, Hey, let's meet up and have a conversation. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think that's why I love about your podcast. It creates a space for people to talk about these things that as these busy entrepreneurs are driving to and from work and they just want to give something to themselves around sharpening their leadership tool they can gather this information, which should hopefully lead to inspiration. And for me, the inspiration was always to go get help first. And then after enough help, you get to a point where it's like, crap, I am so fortunate. I have to give back and help others. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to take a lot of Rafi's and needs to, (laughs) of coming together and and having the space, time and money to be able to change the system. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned something about, again, these people, we start these practices and when we just kind of realize we're in the thick of it, how many people though, do you think, cause you, you obviously talk to a lot of practice owners. Um, how many people like start this almost like the e-myth where they kind of like have this entrepreneurial seizure, they go out and they start a practice and they don't really realize that they're in effect burning the ships. Like, well, crap, I can't, I can't go back. <laughs> they don't even know that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I can't go back to my employer. I can't go back and do this because one, I've tasted freedom, <laughs> but then also like you're, you're, you're in some cases really burning some, some ships that you can't get back on. Yeah. And I think that, that creates this like despair that feeds panic. Like, everything they do. That's why we can't hire and, and retain talent is because we operate from this place of of like desperation instead of like recognizing the best people need to be truly recruited and treated differently versus like just trying to convince someone to jump on ship. But no, I, I, my brother, Rafi, he's um, six years older than me is a double MBA. He's been a high level officer at Google and Dropbox. He's been a C level um, team member of these hundred million dollar software companies. And he's told me what many people don't realize. He's like, man, I've always wanted to start a business. He goes, I always wish I had your courage because I just know what it takes and there's no way I'm going to do it. And that's the reason we, we do it is because we don't know. I'm not braver than my brother. I'm way not, I'm a heck of a lot less intelligent than him in terms of the actual P's and Q's of, of finance. But when it comes down to like passion, I mean, that's the one thing that kind of unites the entrepreneurs. Like we go out there because like, man, I'm going to make a difference. And like you said, we don't even know that we're burning the ships. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're burning and you go, holy crap, what did I do? And then you scurry. And most people, honestly, in, in the physical therapy occupational space, they just cope for the rest of their career. And that's hard for me to see. I talk to, to men and women in their 70s now who are looking to exit and they want to sell their practices. And it's like, you don't really have a practice. You have a job. Yeah. You don't have exactly. a business. You have a, you're self-employed. You're not a business owner. And so they get treated like a distressed asset and they take, you know, two or $300,000 for their life's work. 
and then they go on and it's like, yeah, I just think that's, that's a, a real indication of the corruption of our system and the lack of support for entrepreneurs is how things end, how things end are all is always the way that indicates how that whole relationship went, right? How yeah. we fire people and how we exit our practices is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that then, because you sold your practice and you rolled it up and you yes. sold it for a national, like what, two times, three times the national average? Two to three times the national there? average at the time. Yeah. yeah. We, we had a unique experience. So the best time to sell is when you don't want to sell. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I had zero intention of exiting. I was building my current company. It was called Rise Rehab at the time to to, to create a platform for me to do what I'm doing now. It was just going to take longer because I had five locations at the time. And it was, you know, a wonderful team. My leadership team was more passionate about the company than I was, which was a really interesting reality when five to eight years before that, I had team meetings where after the meeting, the employees would get together and talk about what a crappy owner I was. So like really big shift. I mean, I give all of it to coaching and just doing what I can to, to follow coaching. But um, yeah, at the end of it, I was ready to just build my future on the foundation of this company. The problem was I did such an effective job of hiring amazing talent that they literally told me like, we want to make this the biggest physical therapy company in the country. And like the, the young me would have loved that. But the guy who like after 15 years had, had, had been, watching his ships burn. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was like, no, I, I know what they didn't is that there's stages of business where things get really good and it takes a lot of misery um, to get from one yeah. stage to the next. And I was, I was done being miserable. I wanted to keep this business where it was at, grow it enough to where it would thrive, but like serve my greater purpose. And so a buddy of mine who, who was a PT owner who had five locations too called me up and he's like, Hey, listen, you know, my coach is telling me that no one has ever done a roll up in PT that we know of. And and if they have done it, I didn't, I still don't know about it, but he's like, I was like, well, what's the difference? He goes, well, what most PT companies do is they, they get to the point where they're starting to think about retirement or, or they're burned out. And then they put it on the market and a broker will take them out to sell it. And they get three to four times EBITDA, which is, if you don't know what that term is, don't worry, but they just get some base level offering for their company. And then they're thrilled to take any money that they can yeah. and they sign on a four to five year employment agreement. And that's, that's like 99% of how people exit PT, by the way. Yeah. Uh, nationally out of any industry, only 80% of pra of business, small businesses exit sell only 80% of small businesses ever sell the, the vast majority of the remaining companies that exit. It's because of the, the three D's death, disease, or divorce. So divorce of a partnership, divorce of a spouse, like those are the three driving reasons why most people exit. So of that 20% that actually exit, most of them don't exit powerfully. And then there's this very small subset of people. And in my world, I would say I didn't, I don't want to minimize myself, but I would say it was very lucky that this guy called me. And then I had my own coaches that I, I validated and I said, Hey, listen, I want to exit too. Um, doing this thing called a platform company or a roll up. What is that? What, what does that look like? And so we ended up calling a few more of our friends and over the course of a year and a half, we had five companies come together, 26 locations. And we, instead of just going to any large group that would buy us, we interviewed 17 buyers. Like we turned the tables 
of the exiting piece and found a company that was only in healthcare that wanted to give us absolute control that um, truly was, is just this amazing company. And, and they loved what we were doing and they just wanted to support it. So we ended up exiting with them. And because we were bigger, we got a higher multiple. So for your, your listeners who don't know what multiples mean, it's, you know, you're look at what your company is worth after expenses, after a year, the net profits. That's, that's not the same thing as EBITDA, but it's close. Yeah. Um, and so a multiple is determined by how, what the stage of business it's in and how big it is. So the bigger the company, the higher the multiple. And so, yeah, like for me, my proudest moment was that in my career was my team. My second proudest moment was when we got bought, my practice wasn't the biggest or even the second biggest. We were third in terms of patient visits and in terms of gross income, by the way. But my company got paid more than anyone else because of the coaching I had had, we ran better net margins. So we worked way smarter than harder and got paid more money because of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was a cool journey. We, We went through it. The downfall of that was after we after we merged and sold the new company, we had to figure out how to connect all the pieces on the back end. And that was the hardest year of my professional life. Yeah. Because you know, there's no amount of money in the world, Rafi, that will that would make would have made up for the for like me losing great people or or causing the company to collapse in some way. And it it because of great leadership. Uh, outside of myself, honestly, there was, it survived and it has done very well since, but like we learned a lot of lessons doing this first roll up. And then since that time frame, I've heard from many, a uh, individual, that what they're doing now on the exiting side of physical therapy in particular came from the lessons that we did when we went through that journey for the first time. So how we exit matters, you know, it's our life's work. Yeah. I think PTs and OTs in particular, I think all healthcare providers, they don't think of the exit because they identify who they are with what they do. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, people, it's like my, my grandfather was the same way. So he was a vascular surgeon and he would, he talked about it all the time. Like this was his calling. It was his vocation. He used that word a lot. It's my vocation. I'm, I'm called to be a vascular surgeon. And he ran a practice that was at the time grossing, I don't know, three quarters of a million bucks working four days a week or whatever. And when he retired, he just like closed the shop. He packed up his stuff and moved. We were, we were in Augusta. He was in Ohio, just like re- didn't renew his lease, close up everything, let the insurance company oh know and like left. Oh, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, and it had always been just him and my grandmother running the office. Like it was a mom and pop deal. Um, and like, I, I wonder how many, I probably the majority of people that go into healthcare to start a practice because it's their, it's the way they turn their, to quote somebody else, like they turn their calling into an enterprise and yeah. then they end up doing it like you would, uh, you know, like this is my calling and it's not so much like I'm building the systems or I'm putting the leadership team in place. Like there's no thought of that because they're just doing their craft, right? They're craftspeople and not business people. So it I seems like say that, by the way, I let, it breaks my heart about your grandfather. Yeah. Your father. <laughs> you talk to him now and he's like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's kind of what we did. I decided I was going to retire and I retired. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because, you know, I think in that case, probably because of what he did, he was able to accrue enough wealth for that to happen. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but for PTOTs, SLPs, no way. Yeah, you're not making like, that much as a as a PT. You're not going to build enough of a nest egg to be able to just walk away and feel good about it. I think the thing that we also forget to Rafi is that this was a big shocker for me. About two years after I exited, I um, was talking to some of my other entrepreneur friends. I'm a part of a network that is mostly non-healthcare, so it's like, you know, roofing companies, like just anything you can think of. Yeah, men and women who built companies, ten, twenty, hundred million dollar companies. No kidding. And when we exit, the thing that we miss is the dream team that we build. So I think the big realization that I, want, I would want to share with you and, and, our, and your listeners is that is that the greatest opportunity we ever have as as entrepreneurs isn't the actual healthcare. Yeah, it's building that dream team, and that dream team is the thing that like you go. Those are relationships when done correctly that go a mile deep versus a mile wide. And yes, we, I, I still love my patient care, but I feel complete on the patient care. I don't miss it. I feel like I went out there and re- almost like blew it all because I was stupid and then got help and helped thousands of patients directly or indirectly. But those dream team members there, I mean, yeah. that's, that's next level. That's, that's turning a team into a family. And then what I'd love to talk about on another show, if I'm invited back <laughs> is how, is how I took those lessons and brought them back to my home and how I learned to take my family and turn them into a team. I have four boys, a beautiful wife of 25 years. Um, nice. Congrats. And after we exited, we went to Europe and lived overseas for six months. And just like, for me, it was more like just to clean the palate and like do something really cool and just get away from work. But it was overseas that, we determined that one of my boys had a mental health condition that hadn't been undiagnosed that if I hadn't used those leadership qualities at home, it, it would have, it could have been really scary it, yeah. for us. Yeah. So I think that's the thing we forget is like, we're not, we're not there for the, just the patients. We're very, those people that oftentimes we hate the most are employees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when we learn how to do that, it becomes the greatest gift that we could have as entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, I totally, totally resonate with that. I read a book a while back. I don't even know if it's in print anymore. It's called Managing Right for the First Time by David C. Baker. And in the opening chapters of the book, he says something as as similar. He says that like at the end of the day, you know, when you when you hang up your hat and you retire, your clients won't remember you, right? Like they might remember your name, they might remember the work that you did or the project that you did. He he works with uh, marketing firms, and he's like. So they might remember this campaign, maybe they might remember that you helped rebrand them, but that's it. You know, like you're not going to have a real meaningful impact in their life in a in a substantial way. So the people that you have the biggest impact with are the people that you're spending eight, nine, 10 hours a day with in the office. Right. And I think especially that's been a realization for me. I've been a solo guy for, you know, six years and then I bought a practice and that that was the biggest realization to me is like, oh, these people that I'm now leading and have decided that they wanted to, to jump on, on the ship with me. Like those are the people that that's where my effort, my time, my energy needs to go. So, well, for what it's worth, I think they're incredibly lucky to work for you. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I, I spend all day now with, with, you know, medical, you know, practice owners. Today I was on a call this morning with 10 companies from Alaska to Florida. I'm no kidding. And so I, I get a chance to meet owners and what I love about, I mean, maybe this isn't the, the, the place to do this, but I would just say that like, what's really amazing about you, Rafi, is this thing that you're leveraging this podcast to help grow the industry of healthcare and like helping us stand for ourselves. But I can only imagine what you've learned and then how you bring that back to that team. That's the, that's what we want in a leader. We, you know, for, for us, I think the best example we could ever set as leaders is to be 
in active pursuit of personal development. Yeah. Like whether it's just listening to your show on the way into work, like I hope your listeners hear this and feel incredibly validated that they're taking time when they could be entertaining themselves or distracting themselves to sharpen their ax as Abraham Lincoln says, right? If I have six yeah. hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend four hours sharpening that ax. And in the healthcare entrepreneurship, it is rough to find yeah. time to do that. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that you've created a show, the fact that your listeners are taking the time to listen, that's what gives me hope that we can actually turn this thing around. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get it. That's that's what I hope for too. Maybe it doesn't even need to be my show. Go listen to somebody else's show if you're if you're getting turned on by that too. But um, but don't so do we're that getting... now because you're already on this show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At least <laughs> wait till this episode. Here, so I like we need impactful story. plays for the statistics. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you've got you've got to head out here in a, in a minute. So, um, if there's one or two main points you'd want a listener, a practice owner, to walk away with from the show, what what would they be? Oh my gosh! Thank you. Number one. You matter. Whoever you are listening to this show, whatever you're, whether you're doing it on a walk or you're driving or you're just wanting to like learn that the men and women who are going to change this thing called healthcare are the people who listen to shows like this. And the, the hardest thing I've ever come across, Rafi, is the fact that most people don't recognize the power that they have and the influence they have because they're so acutely aware of every problem that they can't fix or so acutely aware of their weakness that gets exposed to a company when they aren't able to execute. They don't see all the millions of other positive things that change their little universe that adds up to changing the actual universe of healthcare that we need. So that's the, the main takeaway that I hope your listeners hear is just this idea that, that you are so important. Not even like, Hey, you're important. Like you are vital. Yeah. Critically to, important to the, to the communities that you serve in. And for people like me who are fortunate enough to see that and you as well, Rafi, just thank you. Thank you so much for the, the crap you put up with. Only we know, right? Only those of us who've either bravely or stupidly <laughs> started this journey. And it doesn't matter. I think it's usually a little bit of both, right? Like, like it doesn't matter. Your fact is you're, you're fighting the fight that, that makes a big difference. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Will. Where can people find out about you, about your coaching programs and HBA, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they can just email me. I've got lots of different ways to help people. I work with people in some capacities that I won't promote here, but I will just say this. If you have any question on anything, on anything in leadership or entrepreneurship, just send me an email. My email is will, W-I-L-L, at unlockhba.com. The HBA stands for Healthcare Business Academy. Or you can email Rafi and he can he can send you my way as well. But it's will at unlockhba.com. I love connecting companies that I, I am passionate about with people who need their help. And honestly, I never take a referral fee for that. I just but the bigger thing is if you're just stuck and you don't know who to go to, come to me. If I don't know the answer, I'll know someone who does. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll have a good one. Thank you so much, Rafi, for the opportunity. It's great to be on your show. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Will Humphreys all about entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurial journey, and some of the things we don't realize <laughs> that we're doing when we dive full force into entrepreneurship. I know I mentioned it during the conversation, but the idea of burning the ships, you know, there is some very uh, potent truth to that statement. You know, it's, a, it's an analogy we hear all the time. Oh, I can't ever, I'm unemployable. I can't go back to being an employee. But there is something about taking the step away from secure employment 
into some sort of business venture, whether it be a healthcare practice or a uh, startup of some kind, maybe it's a tech company or software company, and realizing that by nature of kind of jumping on that treadmill, one, you've put some things in motion that can't be undone. But the flip side of the coin is that if you don't take that risk, if you don't take that step out, if you would, you spend the rest of your life wondering, right? Should I, could I, could I have done it? Would it have succeeded? What would my life be like if I had the courage to step out? And sometimes we fail and sometimes it's, you know, wild success, but I'm of the mindset that I'd rather be in the, in the seat of if I'm going down with the ship, it's going to be because, you know, I took the, took the risk to try bet on myself. If you would, um, it definitely helps having people in your life that can support you and mentor you and guide you through that. I know Will said that, you know, he's been doing this for what, 15, 16 years. He's always had a business coach. He's always had somebody, a mentor that he can one learn from, but then also can provide that moral support, the go get them if you need to. Um, and thinking back on my own career, you know, I've not been doing it that long. I left uh, secure employment <laughs> is what I call it. I left a nice job at the federal government in 2017 to do independent consulting. I did a little stint as a professor, as a full-time professor uh, in, a, in a health science program at the graduate level for about a year. I like to joke with my former colleagues there because I still go and, and give lectures, uh, guest presentations for their their program there in the occupational therapy department. And I'll, I'll make a joke like, yeah, I think I'm the, the professor there at the shortest tenure. I think um, I officially was on and off as an adjunct and part-time for a few years during some of that entrepreneurial stuff I was doing, some of the independent consulting. Actually, before then, in, in 2015, I started teaching. And I think I, I became a full-time, full-fledged assistant professor in like May and then left in August to uh, build the, the practice that I, that I own and operate now in addition to the consulting work that I do with healthcare organizations and tech companies. But at the very beginning, when I was looking at leaving, at taking that step out, it was an opportunity and I didn't know and I was on the fence about it. And I really relied on a few key relationships that one gave me the encouragement to to go forth and take that leap, but then also some of the wisdom and the just advice and insight you get from people who've been doing it longer. I remember a friend of mine had left his secure employment to begin a venture a few years before I did. And I remember having a drink with him on his porch, kind of just talking about this idea and you know he was very encouraging gave me gave me some tips and tricks to kind of make the make the jump and i you know i value that a lot and then you know i I remember somebody saying at some point in time the key to success is is to marry well and i you know i for one definitely found that to be true i think having my wife in my back corner always you know root me on supporting me when i needed to is so huge so having people in your life that are there to support, to mentor, to guide you, to provide you the, the support that you need, because it is a very, it's an emotional roller coaster stepping out on your own, right? I tell people all the time, like, unless you've woken up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat, wondering where payroll is coming from, <laughs> um, 
you really don't understand what an entrepreneur is going through. And um, Will said it best, you know, like nobody really understands what's going through unless they've, unless they've lived it, right? Unless it's somebody that is themselves an entrepreneur or a business owner and has that level of responsibility. It's very difficult to communicate to somebody, one, what's going through your mind, but then the just the emotional state of being in in entrepreneurship and knowing that you make the a, a wrong step or you know you you bet the farm on the wrong thing and it's all going under. So I appreciate Will for coming on the show and just being really open and honest and transparent about it, about the journey, about running a practice and starting it and realizing that you know, things weren't going the right way and making changes and relying on coaches. I think. A lot of the people that I've talked to in healthcare, and a lot of people, you know, I'm I am a, a healthcare consultant. I help people. I'm a, a marketing and positioning strategist, right? A lot of the people in that space would have you believe that, or at least they try to make the appearance on their marketing and everything that they've got all the answers and that they're not, they're infallible, right? And the reality is. Like I wouldn't be where I'm at today without some of the the coaches and consultants that I brought in to my own businesses to say, listen, this is what's going on. I've hit a brick wall and I don't know how to you know, move to the next level or I don't know how to pivot in this direction or being a leader. You know, None of us, at least in healthcare, none of us are trained as leaders. We might take a, a management course as part of our clinical study, but um, the reality is we don't get that the people side, the people leadership and management side of the business in school because they're, they treat and there's, there's so much you have to learn as a clinician around being technically proficient, around being a clinician, that, they, that the education does not spend a whole lot of time focusing on being a leader. And we'll mention that several times in the, in the conversation too, like the importance of understanding your role as a business owner now is not anymore to be the clinician it is to be the leader the empowerer of your team if you would and it took me a while to understand that you know as a as a healthcare consultant i was used to coming in and looking through an organization's processes or whatever was going on and saying okay these are the big areas of improvement these these are the the action items you want to take i'll be back you know we can get on a call in a little bit or you know i'll be back in a, a few weeks and we can kind of check in on your progress it wasn't until i bought this practice until i acquired this outpatient practice and began running it and leading it that i realized like holy cow there's a lot to being there's a difference between being a consultant and coming in and telling somebody what to do and then being the person that's got to do what needs to be done, right? And developing those systems for leadership was super pivotal in my own professional growth and development. And I'm so glad I've had people over the years be there to provide the mentorship, the guidance, the training that I needed to step into the role that I had assumed. So I don't know where I'm going with that other than simply just encourage if you're if you are running a practice if you're running an organization and maybe you're a co-founder or a founder of a startup take the time to invest in the personal professional development that you will need to become the professional or the leader that your organization requires or needs 
And that's about all I've got today. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. If you want to be notified whenever we do drop a new episode, you can subscribe on all the places where podcasts are found. Just look us up, The Better Outcomes Show. You can go to www.betteroutcomes.show and browse all of our past episodes, sign up for our email list where we'll send you the the show notes and um, notifications whenever new episodes do drop. And uh, if you happen to run a healthcare organization, maybe a tech startup or, or something of that nature, and you're looking for guidance in positioning that product or service or that platform in the eyes of the specific stakeholder in healthcare that you're targeting, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can do that at rehabupracticesolutions.com. Um, shoot me an email, rafi at rehabupracticesolutions.com. Um, until the next time, be safe, be healthy. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.